Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Network Show, where today we are going to talk all things WTA. It's kind of a surprise midweek thing. Um, the folks in Australia were nice enough to get some of these hard quarantine players together um, so they could still play and have some competitive tennis. So we now have Melbourne 3 spread. Um, are you having trouble keeping track of all these? I know it's tough, you know, arranging all this stuff. So we've got three Melbournes. Have you been able to, to keep them separated and correct in your mind? Well, just like the Godfather franchise, I think the third installment of Melbourne is by far the weakest. But we're gonna we're gonna travel uh, <laughs> through yesterday. And you know, what's funny is when I saw that we were doing a show today, I assumed it was just going to be an hour long breakdown of the Ostapenko Svitolina match. But I guess we're breaking down a tournament too. So we'll get there. Don't worry, folks. <laughs> I don't know, Jorge. What do you think? I mean, I I agree that the third Godfather is worse, but I think that this is probably better. This might be better than Yara. Yeah, I mean, I think all week too. If I look at my breakdowns yesterday, I think I had one wager on Yara with one outstanding from the weekend, and then I had like five different bets on on uh, Gippsland. I think certainly, if if you're talking from a betting perspective, Gippsland has been the more uh, entertaining, or at least has presented more value to uh, to us uh, tennis handicappers throughout uh, the, the last few days. All right, let's jump into the tournament. The one similarity you will see to the first two tournaments, I don't know who's doing these draws. I assume they really are random because you just have bunches and bunches of talent in some quarters and just a dearth of talent in others. We'll start with the first quarter here. We've got Zachary. We've got Kerber, Owens, Jabor, Layla, Annie Fernandez, the once great Sloan Stevens spread. What do you see here in the first quarter? Um, who do you see kind of making it through? Yeah, I mean, this is by far the toughest quarter. All the talent is stacked here. Uh, you know, reminds me of Jennifer Lopez a tad. But uh, we got Sakari now taking the number one seed with Andreescu dropping off. <laughs> so uh, I guess that makes it a little bit easier. Um, Layla and Sloan, I think, is a fantastic match. You know, I love Owens Jabor, but I don't. I think that she got really, uh, you know, a bad draw here being in this quarter. So that, of course, moves me off her. Kerber is always intriguing on quick hard courts, uh, which is her favorite. Uh, a red line can beat anybody. So, I mean, it, this is just a really tough uh, quarter to handicap. Um, you know, I kind of like uh, owns to come out of here, but definitely not enough to bet it. Uh, what did you guys think of this quarter? Yeah, prices are tough. Now, I was hoping to bet Angie Kerber here, but she has arguably the toughest draw just to bet anybody in the whole tournament. Um, you know, so even at, let me see, I'm seeing, I think, like 30 to 1, something in that range. It's tough. It's a small tournament, folks, and th there's some top-heavy names and some body-heavy names. So, again, similar to the other two tournaments, we're not going to have a ton of outrights, unfortunately, and nothing sticks out to me in the first quarter. Do you have anything to add, Ore? Yeah, I mean, this is this is where Layla Annie Fernandez resides, um, and frankly, for her first ever WTA Tour win, this is one hell of a field she's going to do it against, so I'm really impressed. Love it. Let's jump into the second quarter then. Uh, Vika Azarenka, Annette Contivate, Yulia Putin-Seva. They finally let her outside, folks, um, and a few other names in there. John, why don't you jump in, break it down for us. Who do you see winning, and uh, might there possibly, hopefully, be a little bit of value here? Well, see, so yeah, this is this is where you, this is the dearth of talent you're referring to. You look at the first quarter stacked, and then the second quarter. I mean, we're sitting here with with uh, I think what is Vika a minus one hundred five to win her quarter, and like, can you even really <laughs> can you even really kind of make a case against that? Christina McHale the only way that she doesn't get out of here. I mean, well, it's even stranger when you think about the yeah. buy. She has to win two matches to win the quarter. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Mikhail, Maddox Sands, Garcia Perez, and put it this way. I think when we talked in prep, for me, the indicator of how bad this quarter is, is Barbara Strichkova in a singles match on hard courts right now is plus 650 to win a quarter at a WTA 500. That is just about, that That sums up better than I possibly ever could um, how poor this quarter is. Uh, Putin say, I'd love to see Putz take her down, but man, Vika's just, she's not erratic enough for Putz to really bother her, unfortunately. Um, I think your best luck here is is a net to to serve really well and and you know hope maybe Vika's like hey I'm getting up there I, I kind of want to make a run at the Aussie I think her her slams have all come in Australia is it two she has and they're both Aussie Opens I believe don't quote me on it off the top of my head uh, but I believe this is kind of like if, if she's gonna win another slam I I think even she knows it it's probably gonna be down here so hopefully your best shot is you know hope Contivate plays well hope she serves well and have uh, Vika kind of. Uh, putter out and get ready for uh, next week. 
Yeah, it's um, I keep staring at that as a rank of minus 105 price. She has to win one match, and then I can buy out if I want in the second match because she'll be a big underdog. Am, am I nuts to think that that's value at minus 105? I mean, yeah, see, I mean, that's that's the that's the the shocking part about this is it could it could be it could make sense. I mean, you you would never say that about a WTA quarter outright in minus money, but here we are. Yeah. What do you think they would line her at against Annette? Oh, should be a no. I don't think you'd be able to buy out there. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, you would be able right. to buy you out. Have, you have you have minus one hundred and five. Right. Yeah. I think I think you'd have. I think she'd be a huge favorite against Annette. You'd have beautiful plus money there. Do you think? She, do you think uh, Vika would be like minus two hundred against Annette? That's area. I'm thinking probably like a dollar fifty-seven, maybe, which would be what uh, minus one eighty-five. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in that range. I could see it going, and I could see the honest to God, I could see the market actually. I, I think you're better off if she does end up minus 185 or minus 200. I think you're better off waiting because the market loves her. We saw that at the end of last year. The market loves Vika. Um, and I think the market probably also agrees a bit with Noops more than Spread and I on, on Contivate. So you might be able to wait until you can get her up to minus 230, minus 240, maybe minus 250. Um, and then you can try and pounce on Contivate and, and really make it make that hedge or, or buyout as, as cheap as, as humanly possible. Yep. I, I grabbed it. I took some Vico minus 105. If she wins the first match, worst case, I buy out of it. And I think that's probably my plan. Where'd there, you get but, that on? Uh, Bovada has quarter prices. 365 oh, has why it didn't as well. I just scroll Close. down. You're right. Okay. I'm jumping in too. Thank you. Bet 365 for those out of uh, or here in Canada or Britain or Australia or wherever they have uh, Vika minus 105 as well. Continuing the theme of the draw being annoying, let's look into the third quarter where two of my favorite <laughs> players, women that I love to bet on, are stuck together. There's Jennifer Brady at the top, Elena Rybakina down there at the bottom, uh, Krejcikova in the middle. That first match with Davis I think will actually be a lot more fun than maybe people expect. Kostyuk is an interesting mm -hmm. young player. I'm actually kind of excited to see her play Brady or maybe even Kuznetsova. Uh, it's just a really nice quarter and... You know, again, it's it's hard to figure out what's going to happen here. Rybakina, obviously, with the big advantage, only having to play two matches again to win the quarter. But you start to look at some of her prices here. She's 5-1 to one to win the tournament. She still would have to beat Brady or another player then to win that quarter. Then she's looking at the winner of the fourth quarter, who isn't spectacular. But I think Rybakina is probably an underdog. I think she's definitely an underdog to Azarenka. And the line against Zachary is, is probably closer than, than maybe we think it might be. So, again, just tough to pick apart here. Two players, again, I'd love to take Brady or Rybakina here, but the prices are just rough. Um, hoping, again, to, to see them play. But... Nothing from a betting perspective. How about you guys? I like Brady at 10 to 1. That's my favorite outright of this whole tournament. I think that's the only one I'm going to play. Uh, it kind of crosses into my thresholds, getting double digits in a WTA. And, I mean, I, don't, I just thought it had the best value here. It was the only one that I really even considered. Yeah, so so a few things on that, too. One, she could use a few match wins, um, right, because that – Abu Dhabi. Was it Abu Dhabi? I believe? Yeah, Abu Dhabi was yeah. not great. She lost from six. She was six love up and lost to him. Was it Zanansic? Yep. That's, that's not a good loss, especially from six love up after you bagel someone. So uh, she could use a few match wins first off. Uh, second, I don't think Marta Kostyuk, I think that's a tough match for a lot of people, but I think with Brady's serving ability, um, she can hit through Kostyuk, especially on quicker courts. So that's that, that's a, a little matchup if you're trying to project her draw. I mean, Kostyuk should not lose to Gabby Dabrowski. And if she does, I mean, if the first match should is, is tougher than I think people may realize with, with Svetlana. But if she can get through Svetlana Kuznetsova, um, she has a nice matchup uh, with Marta Kostyuk in terms of style. And if somehow Gabby beats Marta Kostyuk, which I can't see happening, but if that somehow happens, uh, then you've basically got to buy into the quarters. So, I mean, I, I don't hate that 10 to 1 look at all, considering. So many prices just aren't playable in this draw. Um, I don't have anything on outrights for the whole tournament, if that kind of sums it up for you. Like, I just don't find much. But if there was something, I think um, whoever that, – that first round is where you're going to find it. Either Kuznetsova to win the quarter in double digits or Brady to win outright in double digits. I like either of those. Um, the problem is they play each other first round, which just kind of makes the prices so appealing, right? I think I don't think anything exemplifies the hashtag it takes WTA than losing a match after you've bagged the first set. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here's an angle that I that I just noticed. You can bet the winning quarter of the tournament. The third quarter to win the tournament is two to one, a little better than two to one odds. So basically what you have is 
hopefully Rybakina, hopefully Brady, and then you've got them basically two to one to beat the winner of qu quarter four, which we'll talk about in a minute or two. Might be Belinda Bencic or might be just kind of a cakewalk. And then, you know, again, whoever's sticking out of the top half. Um, I'll have to dig in and maybe look at that number a little more, but do you guys have any sort of initial gut reactions at the third quarter, two to one to win the tournament? Uh, it's not, not the worst. I think the reason why you're getting that number is because the, the first quarter is so stacked. And I mean, there you're hoping you see a lot of three setters. If you're going to bet that, if you're, if you're going to work with that angle, you're hoping to see a lot of three setters in that first, in that first quarter. I guess the way I was thinking about it. So if I'm buying a quarter, I'm trying to look at kind of the firepower in that quarter. And the first quarter is very talented, but you start to look at the best players there, Zachary, maybe Kerber, Jabor, second quarter, you know, not great, but you still have Azarenka. I mean, you're buying Azarenka basically there. And you come to this third quarter, you got Brady, Rybakina. Fourth quarter, you've got Benchich and Kuder Matova. So as I'm starting to think about it from that that perspective, I think I'm getting probably the two, the, the best combination of players, but there might just be too much kind of variance and something like this. So something to think about. Mm -hmm. One quarter Always left, of course. Always good to look at new markets too, right? Like trying to think of things from different angles. Yeah, yep. I think that I saw that too. I think they made those prices a little short. Um, yeah, when I look at it, that's yeah, that's pretty juiced. Um, it's a four-way market. There's a two ten, a two twenty-five, a two fifty, yeah. and a four. So, um, in my head, I, th I think we're north of yeah. one hundred fifty percent. So, um, probably not much value there. Fourth quarter, we've got Belinda Bencic in her first tournament in a while. It'll be nice to see what she's got left. Cooter Monster is in there. Um, Ellen Perez takes the place of Allison Risk. And I, is she technically the five seed? Does she actually get to say she was a seeded player at a WTA tournament? Or is that just tennis straw hasn't fixed it yet? Anyway, uh, you know, kind of a messy quarter here, but we'll see. Um, yeah, this is just going to be, for me, a lot of watching here. Kudermatova looked okay in Abu Dhabi. We'll see if she continues to play better and round into form. I have heard some big numbers to win the Australian Open from last year, like 100, 150 to 1 or something goofy like that. And then Benjic as well. You know, curious to see what she looks like uh, kind of in her comeback. Did you guys have any thoughts here? Did any names pop for you? And, and if not, you know, what are your kind of expectations for some of these maybe bigger names that we haven't seen in a while? Yeah, this well, seemed like a tape study quarter, right? Because we need to find out what Benjic looks like. And although Kustea yeah. has been playing better, I would be really – because I was looking forward to backing her on hard courts this year. Um, this is a tournament that I'd be looking to see some good performances here um, to really kind of, you know, make me feel a little better about backing her going forward on these hard courts, especially at the Australian Open. So I'm going to be going ahead just to watch this one. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of value in betting this. It seems like you're kind of going in blind with a lot of these players. Yeah, John, yeah. what did you want to say? I was I was gonna say like I know I think you're on Heather Watson right and and we're gonna get to that in um, the singles uh, individual matches. Pardon me. Um, I almost think that if you're gonna attack this quarter, what's her like? If you can look for her quarter price, I think she's uh, she's like plus seven fifty. I want a little bit more than that when she's plus two hundred in her first match, and she'll probably be that that big of a dog against Benchich too. So um, I was gonna say that might be the look to attack, but again, that they've juiced the outright markets, you know, incredibly uh, in this uh, in in this uh, respect. So I'd probably pass on the quarter price there. And just, if you like Watson and you've got her the, to win the first, uh, her first match, I would just keep betting her. Um, she'll be a favorite in her second, most likely against both Lee or either Lee or uh, Perez. But then if she, if you get to Benchich, even Kirstea might be a pick em. Like you, you could just continually bet her individual matches and not, you know, not need to win every single match going forward on the outright market. It's something we've talked about before. We, we normally call it the rollover, the money line rollover. Basically, you just take a money line as you win, take that money, roll it over to the next money line, so on and so forth. The nice part is you can stop whenever you want without having to hedge versus taking the outright price. And the idea there always is you can generally do better with those money lines. And I think you hit the nail on the head here. This is definitely going to be one of those cases for me. So um, I think that just about wraps up all of the outrights here. Uh -huh. and the only thing we, we sort of liked was if you can get Brady at double digits, that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, and Vika Azarenka to win her quarter. Uh, we grabbed her minus 105. Uh, with the plan being, frankly, I, I think we're just going to buy out of that. Um, if she comes into that quarterfinals minus 200, I'm just going to, you know, we'll tweet it out from the account. I'll do the little math so we can lock in some profit there. But that's my whole goal there. Um, anything else from you guys again from an outright perspective before we go through some singles? No, let's do the uh, let's do the uh, individual matches. And Gonza, I just sorry, I just saw this. Uh, Layla at fifty to one. We talked about this. Um, 
Yes, she's very good. Yes, she could do it, but has absolutely one of the toughest, if not the toughest, draws in this tournament. So um, she'll be fun again, similar to Watson, but at a, a maybe a, an even tougher scale. I think he'll do better there with the rollover money line match to match versus trying to attack that number. Yeah, I was being totally sarcastic with the this will be your first tournament win. <laughs> Although I do hope I would I would love if she could waltz through that for not waltz through, but if she if she were to go through that first quarter and and uh, top half and somehow pull out a win of a tournament here, I think she'd she she could lose in the first round of the Aussie and be happy with uh, her trip down under, right? So exactly, uh, yeah, beautiful. All right, let's go through some matches. Um, we'll skip Kostyuk to Browski because uh, Kostyuk is minus 2,000. Um, Bethany Maddox-Sands has played Stritzova here. Um, I was kind of hoping this was a doubles team. It turns out it's actually a singles match. Uh, Stritzova is <laughs> a big favorite here, right around minus 200. Uh, BMS right around plus 160. Um, I think you guys are kind of on opposite sides here, but has anyone actually put any money down? No, I like Stritzova here, but that price is way too high from a betting perspective. It has to be BMS or pass. I think that... The line is wrong, but um, I think that Stritzva is the rightful favorite. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with with you know the part of that that says the line is wrong. I definitely think that uh, I, I think people still see BMS as someone from maybe 2019 when her when her, just her singles career dropped off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Last year, she had, she had some some wins over players like Flipkins or people like Lepchenko. Uh These aren't signature wins, but let's not pretend like or let's not, let's not act like Barbara Strichkova is some. You know, super formidable singles player on the WT Tour anymore, and I mean, when when I, I mentioned those two specifically, because I think they're in that same kind of category as Barbara Strichkova. They can still win a few singles matches. Stylistically, they're similar in that kind of you know slice and dice, a little bit of pushing, uh, a lot of defensive play, and I think she's on the decline. So I'm not full you know full heartedly endorsing. BMS to make some major singles comeback, but at this spot, plus 170, just seems a little absurd against someone who's on the decline in their own right, uh, and also more of a doubles player these days than than a singles player. So I definitely think there's value in that line uh, to, to back Bethany Maddox-Sands here. I just haven't gone through and I haven't put down units. I haven't put out any plays yet, so I'm, I've only identified the value. I haven't. I can't really tell, not really going to say the stakings yet because I haven't done it myself, So, I, but I will say that there's value on BMS. Jabor, right around minus 300 against Blinkova, right around plus 225. Makes perfect sense to me. Um, anything you guys want to touch on here? Any angles? I was really hoping to see that that line come around minus you know, 200, minus 225, something like that, and just hammer uh, four to four and a half games. This is a absolute nightmare matchup for Blinkova. And, of course, as I say that, she'll now win three and three. So, uh, But... <laughs> But it really is like she's although she had a lot of consistency towards the end of last year, which I was really impressed with. But boy, oh, boy. I mean, I, I would not want to be blink of it in this in this matchup playing someone like Owens tonight. Contivate big favorite over McHale. Um, Brady, big, uh, decent favorite over Kuznetsova. Um, what do you guys think about that matchup? I mean, I, Brady's right around minus 200. Kuznetsova's plus 164. That seems just about right to me. But I think Kuznetsova um, could be competitive here. Anybody have anything to add there? I think the courts really make this tougher to back her on. I think when you when you factor in like court speed and how that affects the the, the matchup uh, and your handicap, I think that kind of justifies the price a bit. Uh, you may there, there may be some value on Kuznetsova. It's not something I would be racing to bet or or going over maybe a half to full unit. I wouldn't be going. You know, this is certainly not a multi unit selection um, by any means. But I, I think I just I think Kuznetsova is getting getting. Uh, a little too much disrespect here. It's it's interesting. Um, moving forward, though, Kirstea is minus 10,000. I think that ties so, arguably the biggest line I've ever seen. So here's the question. When we were doing prep, we are like, okay, well, we can skip over that because she's minus 5,000. And Kalashnikov was like plus 1,600, I guess. Now, who on earth just bet her at minus 5,000 to minus 10,000 and Kalashnikov from like 16 to 1 to 21 to 1? Who saw value was like, yo, I'm going to smash Serana Kirstea's money line, a WTA money line at minus 5,000. Yeah, that's insane. How? I mean, is, is, is that that big of a move? I think that's only like a one cent move. <laughs> yeah. That's but, what I mean. Like, it's, how much money does it take to move that one cent? Isn't this, isn't this is where you're supposed to be ranting how dumb US odds are and that's not really that big of a move, blah, 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 5,000, 10,000. Why am I doing that? Well, no, because it takes more money to, to make that move. <laughs> From a dollar two to a dollar one, but yes, it is only one cent. That's true, and that does. <laughs> I love you, noobs. This is your here for me. Job, noobs. My American I think you got like honorary Canadian citizenship just for doing that. 
I just got to figure out how to say Toronto. Um, Toronto. On, yeah. on Lee, uh, Toronto. Anyway, ah, whatever. On Lee, that place up north where John lives. On Lee, <laughs> minus 215 or so to um, Ellen Perez, plus 175. Ellen Perez sneaks in as Allison Risk drops out. We've had a couple people drop out. So as you're looking at your draws, make sure Maria Sacre's at the top and not Andreescu and look down at the bottom and make sure it says uh, Perez and not Risk. Um, anything from you guys here, John? I mean, I know you liked Lee here quite a bit, I think. It's going to take – I mean, it's going to take a lot to keep me – um, off betting and Lee, and I just had Toto singing in my head as I as I said that. Uh, but <laughs> I it's I think it's starting it's starting to correct itself uh, till it's about right. I think I mean minus one twenty on minus three and a half games is close. Even money on minus four games, I, I think this is probably it should be about minus four and a half, minus one hundred five. So. It's five cents and half a game off a key number. I mean, you're 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 close to value there on Anley um, and on quicker courts too. I love her game over Alan Perez's. So I might end up being on the minus four games at even money at Pinnacle because I do think that it's only a five cent difference and it doesn't seem like a lot. But when you're talking about four versus four and a half games and you're getting five cents on top of that move, I think that that is a significant enough edge to be able to bet it. So you could, I, I definitely think you could bet the minus four here, but again, nothing, we're not talking like, you know, three, four unit bets in the, in this case, it's going to be a standard state. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, next up, Veronica Kudermatova against Heather Watson. And normally we are team Cooter monster, but I've gone the other way here. Heather Watson's plus 210. Kudermatova's minus 270. I think Kudermatova should absolutely be favored, but I think this is maybe a little too much respect for our girl. I mean, guys, has the market gone too far a little bit here on Veronica? It definitely. Uh, what is what is the what's the implied probability on on 210 versus – I know 200 is obviously – Better around 33%. It's so like 32%. Uh, I don't know. Does, does Heather Watson really win more than 35% of the time in this spot? Uh, probably not. I think it might be right. I, I'm not betting Kudermatova here. Like, I mean, she's 68%. <laughs> and, and, and the spread, too. Like, Watson could easily sneak a set. As soon as she sneaks a set, it becomes almost impossible um, to cover uh, that kind of spread that you're going to have to lay for um, uh, Kudermatova. So I'd probably pass, but... I think the number looks really nice, but when I think what an implied probabilities, you know, standpoint, it, it's it's fairly close to being correct. I don't think Watson wins us forty percent of the time. Like I don't think your edge is super significant, but yeah. you know, I, I think you have a couple percentage points there for sure to play with. Uh, essentially, what I'm looking at here is in this situation, we've got the faster courts, which I think is going to help Watson kind of find her footing here. Coming off that hard quarantine for these guys, I don't think any of these money lines should really be so big. I mean, sure. part of the reason I kind of like that Brady line, I would actually have Brady bigger than minus 200 against Kuznetsov in this situation, but not in on these courts normally. But not today, not in this situation, not first match after quarantine. So I, I think that's, that's maybe overstepping a little bit, but uh, you make a good point. Krejcikova minus 300 or so uh, against Davis. Lauren Davis here right around plus 235. Again, might be a little too deep for me, but I don't know if I could back Lauren Davis given how injured she's been and kind of inconsistent over the last year or so. Um, but certainly a watch for me for both of these players. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, a perfect example of just because the price is wrong, you don't have to bet it. I think this price is wrong. Um, you know, like you said, a lot of uh, – variance with that with the, the hard quarantine for these players you know and, and lauren davis can definitely um be a good retriever be a good defendant defensive player you know and, and, and coax some errors out that being said i don't necessarily feel the need to bet it even though i do think this line is mispriced yeah that's an, that's an interesting i think this is an interesting uh kind of standpoint in terms of contrasting noops and i here because um alex has a bet a potential bet on Watson and I think it's just on the border and I think we're the complete opposite on this one I think he, mm -hmm. for him it's a little too close to make the bet but for me I think this is probably where I'd, I'd rather bet it so I think they both are mispriced and I think we just differ on which one is is more mispriced and I think frankly we can both cheer for the other for both of them to to pull the upset because we're both going to be Go on the dogs so, yeah exactly yeah, love it all right Angie Kerber minus 123 against Katarina Sidiakova and a line that makes <laughs> Almost no sense to me. Um, I find it baffling. I bet Kerber at minus 127. Apparently, she got all the way down to minus 115 or 1.87, I guess up yeah. to 1.87, if you will, at Pinnacle. Um, do you guys have any idea what's going on here? Makes sense I was going to ask you guys that. Like, 
you know, I got that Where Is The Love song coming because Where Is This Love for Cindy and Cobra coming from? I feel like I'm one of her biggest fans, and even I think this, this should be like minus 150, minus 175. I mean... How is this happening? Can you can you guys tell me? I know you you study the market more than I do, uh, John. The way you you destroy these openers. Yeah, it's for me. It's one of those things where um, I'm 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 almost positive this has to be some sort of market Inside once info. again seeing a, a head-to-head matchup where Sinyakova destroyed her on clay in the fall six three six one, and everyone's just looking at that and betting Sinyakova. It's the only explanation I can think of. Okay. Um, you know you my know, stance I on track like head to head more than you, but that yeah, no, it's not like relevant. The worst example, of yeah, of course. We already know how uncomfortable Kerber is on clay, right? So yeah. like you can almost throw all those results out. Sinyakova oh, grew yeah. up on I clay. Do. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, okay, I, I, I do throw head to head more than you, and even I am like that would be every. If you told me that's the reason you bet Sinyakova, I mean, agreed. I mean, she has agreed. nicer hair. I don't know. I do. I like the quick, <laughs> bunchy, curly hair. Yeah, I, I like the, the reaction. Sinia Cuba is a total cutie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, my money's on Kerber. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that, playing competitive tennis. Is there information out there? I think I, I'm probably going to go try and search your name and look for news, perhaps uh, an article or like. It, it seems like one of those things, you know, my feelings on trap lines. I just think trap lines mean the bookies have different information they're going off of than we do. There's no such thing as a trap, uh, right. but. Or they try and and they don't even try and people say, well, they're trying to even out money. No, that's why they move prices based on market money. Like that's not a trap. That's just them trying to even out money so they can make profit. But I think this is one of those things where it, it, it does seem fishy, I'll say. Um, and there could be information that we're missing. Uh, it doesn't make it a trap. It just means we haven't you know, found the information we needed to, uh, to, to contextualize it. But I, I definitely think right now there's value on Kerber. And I, I do believe the market probably overreacted to an off-surface head-to-head because that's what te- the tennis market does. They see head-to-head and they just think, well, even if it was off-surface, it was still such a drubbing that it's still meaningful. Like, no, wrong, false. Yeah, as kind of, kind of like the head-to-head champion used, but... of this pod, I would definitely have to um, rescind on this one and, and just – Say you're right. I mean, the head to head is absolutely worthless in this situation. Layla, Annie, Fernandez, the the young pride of Canada, or at least the the most pride of Canada that's playing this week, not in the ATP Cup, <laughs> uh, has got the once great Sloane Stevens. Uh, Fernandez minus one seventy two. Stevens uh, approaching plus one forty. John, how much money have you bet on your girl? None yet. Mm. <laughs> I see a lot of people fading Sloane, and it's just. Boy, oh boy, that's. I think it's the line's about right. The question is, how much does Sloan care? How much has she she prepped for this? Because if she's if she's coming in not prepped, this is a nightmare matchup for her. This is someone who's just going to get everything back. And if if she's you know one unmotivated, two unprepared, um, Layla should should crush her. But if the spread's like three and a half games, like can you really make it more for for a, a lighter hitter and a, a kind of grinder? Um, on on court, she may not be super comfortable on. I, I'm just not sure that I can I can back Layla at this price. Oh, what do you think, Spread? You gonna any chance you're back in the American here? No way. It's Layla or nothing no here. But it's like I don't know. No I have no way of knowing whether or not Sloan's motivated. I do think that if she is motivated, it it could be a bad matchup the other way for Layla, mm-hmm. right? Because Sloan, you know, at her best, yeah. can play offense and defense. One of the the most uh, diverse games on tour where she can kind of just beat you at what you do better. And um, I I know that she does actually like to defend better. So maybe that will throw her off a bit. The fact that she's going to have to be the aggressor, but overall, Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you know, unless you're, you're down there and you're seeing something that we don't, I don't see how you get involved in this match um, unless it's just the blind Sloan fade. And it's something you're going to do all year. I think this is one of those things too, where I'll, I'll root for Layla and hope she gets this kind of respect against, uh, is it Maria Sucre she'd play next round? Let me mm-hmm. pull it up here. Uh, if she gets like half the respect against Sucre here and she's like anything under minus 200 for Maria, I'm going to be hammering. I just think that that's an awful matchup for Layla. Yeah. Last match, as mentioned, she's free. She's outside in the world, breathing fresh air. She can get away from all those mice that continue to follow her around. <laughs> Julia Putin-Seva yeah. is a roughly, uh, let's, 
a bunch of numbers here. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong screen for a second. Roughly minus 400 against Georgina Garcia Perez. We were hoping to bet a bunch of Putin's Ava alt numbers here. The market's got a spread of five games, John. If we want to lay five and a half, it looks like we can get around uh, 2.1. If we want to lay six, we can get 2.5. What are you thinking? Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, you know how much I want to bet this. This is a... Nightmare matchup for Garcia Perez. The only thing you could possibly say in her favor here is, you know, quick courts. She's tall. Uh, she serves like that. She got a big first serve. Um, but I don't know if uh, she's like outside of that, she'll have to serve like 90% and place them well. I mean, what else is she going to do to trouble Putin Seva? But like you said, I mean, five games at minus 108, five and a half is where most of the market is at. Like a lot of books don't spread the even numbers. They, they kind of don't want pushes and the rest of the market, you know, plus one Oh two for five and a half at, at Unibet's like AKA can books um, plus one Oh five at ATG books in Europe for bet hard yeah. plus one thirteen pinnacle might be playable, but five, I, I do think five, like, it's, it's one of those tough things where she could win this six, one, six, one. And I, I think she wins it six, one, six, one often enough that this could be value on minus five and a half. It's just it's going to take one heck of a serving performance from uh, the Spaniard to really, to really uh, cover the spread. Seven and a half, minus seven and a half, three to one. What is that? Two and two. She'd have to win two and two. Two and oh. two or better. Oh, it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> that's that tough. is tough. <laughs> I mean, just Garcia could remember like per- Garcia Perez could yeah. um, serve her way to five games, and then you're toast. Because almost like if if if. If she gets one break, you lose the seven and a half. I mean, she'd have to be perfect on service games. And that's going to be tough for you. Yeah, that's true, yeah. too. All right. I might do it anyway because it sounds fun. But yeah, that, mean, ends, yeah. <laughs> uh, that ends Grampians. Um, but we did want to continue and talk a little bit. We've got the uh, quarter semis or the um, pre-quarterfinals. Or I don't know if we have a good way of talking <laughs> about this. But the final 16 or the sweet 16 of the other two Melbournes. We'll start with Gippsland here. Um, we've got Elise Mertens against Caroline Garcia. Garcia, somebody that we liked as, as maybe kind of an underdog in this quarter. I've taken her to win this match, I think right around plus 200. Um, she's moved a little bit down. I'm seeing plus 195 or 2.95. Uh, what do you guys think here? I mean, is does Mertens' consistency good enough or can Garcia? I mean, if she continues to play the way she has, she's looked pretty good so far. See, here's the issue. I disagree that she's looked pretty good so far. That match against Tamea Babos was kind of Caroline Garcia epitomized. Um, anyone half decent, she loses that match. She handed far too many points away. Uh, she she rode by on her talent there, and she barely covered minus three, which is kind of embarrassing against Tamea Babos at this stage, to be quite honest. Um, I, I think the problem here is that any sort of consistency from the other side of the net, she's screwed. And Merton's isn't someone that Garcia is better than she might be on her best day equivalent to, but there's no doubt in that Merton's mental kind of game and fortitude is far greater than Garcia's. I think she wins this two out of three times easily. Um, now I think that kind of kills the value for me. I don't, I don't know if I'll be on Merton's. If I was on this match, it would be Merton's in a parlay to be honest. I just can't stand this matchup for Caro. And and frankly, I was hoping that this year would once again be kind of the turning point we've been waiting for a long time. And that, that last match did not convince me at all in any way. I weirdly like that she struggled. I, I think she kind of needs one of those matches to get herself right. So we'll see how it goes. I'm just of the position in a lot of these tournaments. I'm just going to kind of not be underdog or pass. I've, I've had some success with parlays here. It's just I'm, I'm going to stay away from some of these big hitters, and we'll have a similar conversation in a few matches. Uh, what yeah. do you think here? Anything to add, Spread, before we move forward? I'm putting her in a parlay. I don't want to lay the three and a half, though. Alexandrova plus 155 against Iga Schweitek. Um, she's right around minus 200. This looks just about right to me. And I'm a huge Alexandrova fan. I know all three of us are. Um, and one of the ways I, I like to handicap matches, I, I like to ask myself, what can player A do better than player B? And Alexandrova could probably have a better serving day than Schweitek, but I don't think it can make a big enough gap to, to really allow her to win this match. Um, really feels like this is on Iga's racket. What do you guys think? Ego, Iga, whatever. I go with Iga. I don't know, but um, yeah, I would I would agree that I I'd, I'd agree with that assessment. I think Spread might have a different take though, so I'll let him uh, I'll let him take it away. 
Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily on um, uh, Sviantek's racket, just because I think Alexandrova can dial it up with her and can dictate on some of the points. I think that in the extended rallies, uh, Sviantek's going to have the advantage basically with the consistency, um, whereas Alexandrova, you know, is prone to batches of errors that can cause her to lose, you know, lose key point uh, key points and matches. Where I trust Sviantek to limit the unforced errors. Uh, much more. But other than right. that, I think I agree with pretty much everything you say. I think that Alexandrova would really have to have, like, you know, an Isner-like serving day. I think that she need to get it above 70% on her first serve, you know, to really have a chance. And it, I really wanted to better, but the more I think about it, I, I just don't think you're getting enough value at that plus 158 or whatever bookmaker's hanging right now. Yeah, that's what I mean. It seems closer to right than than anything else. Um, Nami Osaka, big favorite, minus 1,100 against Katie Bolter. Uh, Bolter has looked great and certainly won a few of us some money this week. Um, any chance Katie keeps this close enough, or, or do we have any interest, or is this just kind of uh, Osaka continues on? Well, how many games? Is it is it uh, six or six and a half yet? Uh, I, I think I this number is six. It should be right around uh, six. It, it'd six be tougher and a half to get on Six and a half is expensive. If you want the plus six and a half, you're looking yeah. at minus one twenty five, minus one twenty. I think it's 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 one of those things where it's it's it could be a lot of Osaka motivation handicapping here, um, and that's just something I don't want to get into. Uh, when I'm when I'm thinking about just the straight the matchup straight up, this does seem like a very straightforward kind of like Barty did to Bogdan last night. Six three six three could be a six three six two. Uh, Bolter might eke out a six four, and if that's the case. That's exactly what the bookmakers want to see if they're hanging six games, right? So um, I don't want to get into narratives because that makes assumptions. You can't really quantify those and you're not, it's it's not a, a given. So with the information we have, I'd probably pass here. Um, but I would lean Bolter if you let that kind of narrative-based thought get into your head. I think I'd lean Bolter on the spread. And I don't take many dog spreads, but anything, but over five games is where I tend to to dabble in them. All right. Now. We have the match of the night, and it's definitely the match of the night. I don't care what you guys think. And I'm going to turn this on its head a little bit. Instead of asking you know, you guys each about your favorite player, I'm going to start with you, Spread. Um, you know, Alina Svitolina is minus 238 here. is right around plus 190. Spread, how does Alina Svitolina win this match? Uh, she just gets the ball back and lets Panko hit it into the stands. <laughs> um, <laughs> she takes advantage of the second serve to get easy breaks. Um, I mean, Penko matches are pretty straightforward, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, her stat lines are incredible. You know, like 57 winners, 41 uh, unforced errors, 16 double faults in a victory. So, I mean, uh, we know we know what's going to happen here. So, uh, you know, the good thing is if Redline Penko shows up, I can get a victory and get to send Jorge a bunch of messages. Um, a lot of pictures of your cat. Yeah, that that's that with all the wet food that we'll be eating to celebrate. Although I don't know how much uh, celebration we will be doing because I don't know. I wasn't super impressed with her early win, even though I did enjoy it. For those that don't know, wet food is the steak of the cat world. Uh, John, <laughs> what do you see here? I mean, you know, spread kind of laid it out there. I mean, if Panko wins, she's hitting winners. If Svitolina wins. Penko's probably hitting losers. <laughs> Anything to kind of add there? What, what? How are you seeing this match? I know as a big Svitolina fan, are you worried? I mean, did what yeah, Penko uh, did last round scare you? Uh, no, it's just the the way she plays scares me because that's who typically beats Alina. It's it it comes down to this: bash ball in, win; bash ball out, loss. That's it. That's Ostapenko's. That's that's how this match goes for Ostapenko: bash in, win; bash out, loss. All right, now the last question I have for you both, over under the box line, and I forget the actual real line, the T line for uh, Pango <laughs> to stand. Is she going to be just standing inside the server's box? Is she just going to be looking to follow these things? <laughs> How close? I, she's not going to get that close on Spitalina, right? Spitalina keeps her second serve. I mean, her first serve isn't impressive, right? But she doesn't dial it back too much on the second, right? Her her first serve is fine. I think she's she's an underrated player in that respect. Like, she's she's made... Uh, more hay over the years, kind of counterpunching than anything. But it's not like she exactly. she's powerless. She can generate. Right. She can be the yeah. aggressor. But she's better as the counterpuncher. So I think she's always stuck with what works. But um, the problem is when she can't drop off to the second serve. Right? It doesn't drop like forty. No, not really. Like, and it's not going to be a super you know high arcing one where she where Panko can come in and kind of tee up exactly where it's going to be at waist level. Right? It's not yeah. super super kick serve. So um, yeah, I don't think. Uh, 
I don't think she'd be too too far in, but I mean, it's not like Svitolina's. It's not like Panko really cares. Like she's not going to say, "Okay, this person has a decent second serve. I better stay back." That's not her style. <laughs> her style is, "I don't care how good your second serve is. I'm moving it. I'm just going to try and bash." I lost a point. I'm stepping forward. I yeah. lost a point. Yeah. I'm stepping forward. <laughs> I've got a little Panko here. Uh, I've got her at um, plus two twenty or three point two. We're down to wow. plus one ninety. If you have to bet anything, I think it's Panko or pass, just given yep. kind of the variability. So should be a fun watch um a much less fun watch almost the exact opposite of this match kanta against begu um, a match you couldn't <laughs> pay me to watch um i've got an over here they hung a 20 and a half for some reason when they should have hung a 21 or a cheap 21 and a half so happy with my over ticket here um you know kanta p- pretty decent favorite minus 286 begu plus 223 any angles from either one of you i might like to nothing here i mean begu didn't really like Begu didn't really impress me all that much last night. I think the difference here is, one, she played Sastovich last night, and we all know how how wonky Sastovich can be, but she dictated that entire match. Begu was uh, – I wonder how much is left in her arms, first off. Uh, she was really having to to reach back and push with everything she had to get it back to, to maybe the service line on, on a lot of returns. Um, Sastovich, I think Begu went like 60 to 70% on break point conversions. Um, Sastovich was far below that. I believe she generated more breakpoint opportunities though and then it was a, a a relatively long match and i think kant has been far more impressive she's looked really good she likes quicker she likes quick courts um despite the fact that she also somehow came out of nowhere the last two years to play on clay but that's another story um i think she's fine on the quick courts because she, she will get down and kind of take that ball early if she has to and i i don't i don't mind a two nothing angle here and the two nothing angles on the wta of have not been very successful. I don't do them often, but this is one where I definitely think that um, you could look to try and get a, a two nothing in here because I think Conta should win this in fairly straightforward fashion. And frankly, I think she's going to want more more matches as she heads into the Aussie. I think she's someone this week who's looking to go deep um, in this warm up event because she she does tend to be a form player. So I think building up form, getting matches under her belt, knowing that it's not going to hamper her too much. Uh, in the the next 14 days at the Aussie Open, where she'll get days off between matches, I, I think that that it's reasonable to think that she, she'll want to win this one relatively quickly. Mahova, big favorite over Paolini. I've got a Paolini ticket here, just a small play. She's been great this week, and I think she's very underrated on the hard courts. John, I know you were lamenting her success a little bit because we were hoping to save her for some of the slower events, but oh. she's been great this week, and I, I just think this price is, is flat-out disrespectful. Mahova's a great player, but I don't think that she necessarily has the power or the tools to, to deserve this big of a price. What do you guys think? Now, see, I said that last round, <laughs> Did, or was it the first? I don't know. What Katie McNally was like plus three hundred. I thought that exact same thing. That did not work out well for me. Um, I think it's probably because Katie was coming off a super long match, the match before, and it is so early in the season that these players that can kind of affect them. We saw it with Golf last night as well. Those two are doubles partners to boot. Um, they both kind of crashed out after long matches. So I think I kind of uh, missed that in my handicap. But I totally agree. I think Mahova's been overvalued a lot. Uh, this week, and I mean to have her under a dollar fifteen in uh, real odds is a little a little aggressive. I mean, we're we're lining her up now as a you know a, a top tier, top five, top ten hardcore player in the world, um, and I understand a lot of that is a Paulini fade, but I think Paulini's looked really strong this week, both against Rebecca Marino uh, and in her last match, she's really started to serve decently. And like you said, I I get. Pardon me. I cannot wait to get to Miami, Acapulco. Some of these, sadly, Indian Wells is postponed, but I cannot wait to get to some of these slower hard courts and uh, and see if her her newfound comfort on the surface, combined with you know her natural comfort on slower courts, kind of combine to find some really nice value in those in those spots or those tournaments. Absolutely. Halep minus six sixty seven against Laura Siegman plus four forty eight. You see anything here? Spread um, looks just about right to me. Yeah, I don't want to get involved in that match. This is another one, by the way, another player, not necessarily in this match, but another player to watch for next week. Laura Siegmund looks like she's playing really aggressively, and I really like the way she's looked on these courts. For someone who we kind of always thought of as a clay player, although a lot of her success came on the quickest clay in, um, I think it's Stuttgart over the years, um, she's, she's looked really good, and I think she's added a lot of aggression to her game on hardcore. So not particularly in this match, but going forward for next week, keep that in mind if she's a plus 200 or, or plus 250 against a half decent hard quarter, and that that might be a little bit out of whack, uh, and that's somewhere something to kind of store away for the future. Yeah, I think Siegman really had some problems uh, returning from injury, and I think she put a lot of bad yeah. tape out there, 
as she was working through it and getting back, um, you know, to 100% match fitness. And I think that causes her to be undervalued still um, just because there is so much bad tape out of her from her when she came back and just was looking really rough. Uh, yeah. It took her a little while to get back too. So, you know, it's not like it's just one bad tournament or one bad match. I mean, it's a bad stretch of tape that she put out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, finally, Dasha Kazakina, a small dog here to Kaya Kanepi. Um, Kanepi coming off uh, the big win over Sabalenka. I mean, after the first set, I figured we had Sabs 2-1 locked in, but she, she took control of that third set, and Sabs maybe wasn't totally as focused as maybe, yeah. maybe she should have been. Um, you know, What do you guys think of this line here? I'll start with you, John, um, and let Spread kind of you know control himself for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to sell high on Kanepi. And um, go ahead and back Dasha here. I'm not – it is a little bit concerning because this isn't like Herzog who who couldn't really hit through Dasha, especially in baseline rallies. Um, and it's why I took Dasha minus four last night. I mean, that was kind of a miraculous cover, but she was up four in love in the first set. But after that, it kind of evened out, which was uh, a little annoying to see. But um, it, it, it was tough for, for Herzog outside of her inside-out forehand to hit through uh, Dasha. And I think it might be easier for Kanepi, so – in that respect, I think Kanepi being a closer to Dasha is makes sense relative to Herzog. But this is one where I don't think she should be favored. I mean, she, I think this is a huge overreaction to beating Sabalenka. Remember, she was a game away from being out to Astra Sharma. And I'll remind people of that for the rest of the season because that one really, really bugged me. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this is not someone who... who Despite her success at the end of last year, her, her tear through, you know, a clay ITF and an indoor ITF, a lot of context needs to be applied there. She won that clay ITF, which isn't her surface, but, you know, she did two seven five third sets in her opening two matches as a massive favorite. Um, she was a massive favorite against Sharma, needed three and needed to save, um, you know, a break when she was, when Sharma was serving for the match. She has been very, very vulnerable. And Dasha is someone who, if you're vulnerable against her and you're committing errors for two whole sets, she's going to win both sets. Right, and I think that's a huge concern here for Kanepi is she's going to have to play, uh, you know, at the top of her game or near it to beat Dasha uh, two sets out of three. And I don't think she she has done it a lot lately. Um, and again, last match context was was Sabalenka really there a hundred percent to try and win this tournament, where she's like, okay, I've already got a bunch of good form under my belt. I'm going to the Aussie now, and I I really do think that that's playing a big part in this line. And I think Dasha's presenting a lot of value here. Yeah, and I mean, you look at like a stylistic 180, right? Go from uh-huh. Sharma and Sabalenka, you know, who are going to sit there and pound the ball with you. A lot of quick rallies, right? You know, let's just see who can hit these winners. Uh, to Dasha, who's really going to, you know, just get everything back, get everything back and try to redirect your own pace. Uh, you know, really, you know, from going to these heavy hitters to someone who really needs uh, point construction. I think that that's also could – uh, some early on troubles for Kanepi here that that, that could um, come around. So uh, I, I, that's another one to put in Dasha's favor. I'm, I'm I am a little worried though, um, just with Kanepi's nice form here. So this I think this is a good kind of measuring stick to see how much of um, Kanepi's resurgence uh, is real and, and can she beat a variety of players or is she just going to be um, feasting on players that she's either way more talented than or that like to play her style of game. All right, gentlemen, let's jump into uh, Yara Valley. We've got another eight matches here. Mardich Rogers, very closely lined. Rogers, just a slight favorite. I, I expected to look at this match and want to bet Petra Mardich here, but it kind of makes sense to me. Um, does, do either one of you have an angle or a play here? I thought it was a little short for Petra, too. Why do you think that that, that number is so close? And I know that we were talking oh. in the chat, and Muggs really likes Rogers. Do I just undervalue Rogers too much? I think on quick courts like this, and I mean, the, the problem with me with this match is I'm trying not to be clouded by a lot of recency bias, but my uh-huh. God, is Shelby Rogers look infinitely better this week okay. um, than probably anyone in this draw, to be frank. She has looked really, that Rebecca Peterson, we were talking about this, yeah, with Muggs last night as well. That, that, that match against Peterson was incredibly high quality. Like Rebecca Peterson played really, really solid tennis. Both of them held serve at an incredibly high rate, especially for the WTA tour. Uh, and Rogers came out the third set against, you know, again, a Peterson who probably hasn't played a lot of consecutive matches like that in a long time. I was high level, hard hitting third set. She kind of wore down a bit, uh, but it's good to see her back at that level. I, I definitely think Rogers presents a bit of value here. I think, I mean, 
Marty just says quick courts are not going to be her favorite outside of her serve. She reminds me a bit of a more talented Herzog. Like outside of that first serve, once you get into to rallies, like Rogers should dominate from the baseline. And I think at a, it's not like Marty will have the serve and then the other, the other players got to, you know, kind of make up ground. Rogers first serve is just as good, if not better than Petra Marty's. So yeah. I think the one thing Marty kind of leans on, on quick, hard courts is completely neutralized when she's on return because Rogers can do it just as well. Um, and I do believe that Rogers is value here at, at, at about a pick'em. It's come down a bit. I think she was a, a slight dog earlier, but I think even at a pick'em, you can you can justify a bet on Shelby Rogers. My only worry is that I kind of perhaps let recency bias creep a bit too much in. So I think my staking will be on the more conservative side, just to evaluate more objectively. But yeah, I definitely think you got to go with uh, Shelby here, if anything. Okay. Yeah, I think either player plus anything is probably a little bit of value here, but I would agree. I'd, I'd rather have Shelby there. Vondrasova, Zvonareva, this is a match that um, two of us, I believe, have already bet, and I'm sure we can talk spread into it. Yeah. Still not sure why Zvonareva is a dog here. Um, I was able to grab her at plus 155. I wanted to go and just double check because I think that there was an even sweeter number had I gotten up earlier. Oh, yeah, she looks like she opened right. She was plus 183 or 2.8 at Pinnacle for a minute. Um, wow. Well, nine whole minutes technically, and then still even then two point six. I mean, loves Zvonareva as a dog here. I have this pretty much yeah. close to a pick em here. You know, John, what were you seeing? I, I know that you're on board here as well. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of factors that play into this. One, I mean, Vondi coming in not exactly you know super warm. Two, Zvonareva's looked very good this week. Um, dispatched Plushkova. I mean, it, it wasn't really a dispatch because Plushkova found her serve, but I mean. Zvonareva is serving really well right now, and on the quicker courts, that's going to help. How motivated is Zvonareva? We've seen her in these level tournaments a ton, um, you know, kind of pack it in early. If she goes down the first set, I think – I almost think Zvonareva to nothing might be the most value here. If she loses the first set and Vondi's motivated, I think Zvonareva just wins outright. But if Zvonareva wins the first set, is Zvonareva is someone that's going to try and really come back to push for a third the week before a slam? I mean, nothing in her history has ever told us – uh, that she would. I almost wonder if I, I feel like I want to kind of play a little stack here, maybe go a unit on Zvonareva and money line, and then another half unit on the, uh, on the two nothing line, because I do think that Zvonareva could, could come in here and walk away with this. If uh, Vondrasova is not up to the task and, and she's going to make her play a lot of balls too. Like Vondrasova is someone who can, who can get lazy within rallies. And despite the fact that she defends decently and, and, and can pl- should be able to play longer rallies makes uh, hits a lot of errors as well. I think this is just a, a really good matchup for Vera, especially at this price. What do you think, Spread? You joining us with the, with the Russian here? I'm sold. I'm in. Let's do it. Beautiful. Uh, Barty Buzkova. Barty, a solid favorite at minus 385. Buzkova plus 285. Nothing here for me, guys. Um, anything stick out to either of you? Yeah, minus 11 and a half. <laughs> Buzkova was run ragged last night um, by Bolsova. That was a long, tough match. Bolsova made her run a lot. Um, I want to see how much is left in her legs. I might look for a live um uh spread here or handicap in this one because if Buzkova can you know keep it somewhat close kind of like Bogdan did last night right 3-2 she served first Bogdan got out to a 3-2 lead and then from there I think Barty won 10 of the next 10 of the final 13 games and I think it ended 6-3 6-3 that's I could see a complete replica of that match Buzkova is okay early on and I mean dealing with the slices Barty can play in long rallies Barty can you know wear your arms down with her heavy serves she can play with the ground strokes I think this one may stay close early, and then uh, Barty pulls away towards uh, the latter stages. Yeah. Jesse Pagula, uh, plus 180 against Sophia Kennan, minus 233. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, this is arguably kind of the future of U.S. women's tennis, frankly. Um, I love both of these players, and I would love to bet Pagula. I'm not going to. Price looks okay. What do you guys think? Agreed. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, almost like earlier, I think there's value on, on Pagula. I think that that actually price is a little high um, just because of Kennan's inconsistencies. But uh, that being said, I'm not going to pull the trigger because of Kennan's inconsistencies, and I don't really feel like I have a, a huge edge. I, it might be a perceived edge that's not really there. It's Jesse or pass, but pass for me. Muguruza, Pavlyuchenkova, uh, Muguruza minus 250, Pavlyuchenkova um, plus 200. I actually wonder if Muguruza should be more of a favorite here. Um, Pavlyuchenkova has played well, but Muguruza kind of, this is so I get, I know you love head to head, but Muguruza kind of <laughs> has Pav's number here a little bit. Um, I just, uh, 
I don't know. Okay, so break it down for me then, John. I mean, why do you like Pavs here maybe? Because uh, I think if she was playing poorly, I think plus 200 makes a little bit more sense. Um, probably a little more inconsistent if that's possible than Muguruza. Uh, is a big tournament player though too. Like I hate that. I hate that kind of talking point because again, it's more narrative based and it's it's kind of trying to assume motivation. But I just I don't know the way that Paz is playing. Should we really be expecting anything more than a close match in this one? Although Muguruza just absolutely stomped on whoever she played last night as well. Um, I can't remember all. There's too many matches right now for you to like. Usually Vandy I know Vank. all the matches. But I mean, is that really six two six love is always impressive? But I mean, Allison Van Utenbank, like, good lord, that was always going to be an absolute, uh, you know, kind of massacre. Then you have um, Pavs who did it to Masaki Doi and then did it again. But like all three of their opponents, nothing you can really read into that when it comes to playing each other. So I kind of, I, I'm probably going to pass. But if anything, Pavs to me at plus two hundred when they're both informed, both can hit the ball, both can dictate, both can take over, both can serve. I think you've got to take lean the plus two hundred in that in that spot. What do you think, Spread? I was thinking about parlaying Garbine with Mertens, but I haven't pulled the trigger yet. John's kind of talking me out of it. Garbine's always a rough one to play as a favorite. Yeah, it's going to be close. Uh, it's what I think. Garbine gets it done anyway. Kavitova minus three forty five against Podoroska plus two sixty one. Podoroska, somebody I love to bet on. Just not the number that I really was hoping for. Um, and I think I'll probably end up staying away from here. I want to check later. Maybe I'll find some way to bet Podoroska here. But what do you guys think? Well said. Yeah. Two mothers getting together, hanging out. They're going to play some tennis. Um, Parakova, Serena. Serena's minus 345. Parakova plus 268. Spread, what do you think? You got a wager to be placed here? Or are you just going to be watching uh, and feeling nostalgic? <laughs> yeah, I'll be watching. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going to get involved here. Uh, I don't want to go to that well too often. Uh, fading Serena uh, against Parankova. Um but it, sh- it should be in- interesting and indicative. And I'll tell you what, Serena looked pretty good uh, in in the stuff I've seen of her so far. So uh, I was kind of riding her off, and every time I do that, she'll kind of put together a performance that makes me think not so fast. What do you see yeah, here, John? Two things. One, Serena is another player again before slams like as a favorite. I just don't want to back. Two, I also love the fade Peronkova angle. So when those two things collide, it's just an easy pass for me. <laughs> I can only imagine what will happen when Venus and Serena play again. Just your head's going to explode. I'll get to use, though. I have this nice Photoshop for many of you that were alive in the 90s. There was a show called Sister, Sister. And I put Venus yes. and Serena's face on top of the two sisters. It's wonderful. Yes. I was going to use it, and they had to quit the stupid match. Anyway, uh, the final match here in Yara Valley, Carolina Pliskova against Daniel Rose Collins. A really interesting line here. Pliskova only minus 180. Um, DRC plus 145. And um, DRC's taking some money. This opened Pliskova minus 200. Um, actually, I'm looking at Pinnacle here. Pliskova's all the way down to minus 167. What do you guys think here? I mean, what, why, why is this number so short? Collins didn't look – I mean, she's good, but, you know. I didn't see anything to change my mind about these two players, um, but it seems maybe the market did. What do you guys think? I think it's probably back where it should be now. I think at plus 160 earlier, I was leaning Collins, but I mean, obviously 145 is, I don't think it changes too, too much in implied probabilities in terms of like the actual percentages come to like, think of it that high up uh, 15 cents. But I certainly was on the fence earlier and, and a decrease in price, uh, sorry, an increase in price, is it exactly going to sway me to bet it, right? Like, I'm not going to start betting it now with a lower number. So I think I'm, I'm, ni- I'm, I'm nice and firm in the past category here. And I, I wonder about set overs, but I think Snyes told me this is not a great match to ladder. I think you probably have some. No, 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 no. You. They both love quick sets. Don't bet so, Collins uh, uh, overs. Set ever. overs, yeah. So I, I'm going to pass on that. Sets, that's it. That Everything might be the angle. Over, skip. That might yeah, be pick, the angle. Pick somebody to win 2-1. I just – I mean, so do you think true. this makes sense to have this much support for DRC? I feel like Pliskova is a tier or two ahead of her. I mean, I know we question her a lot, and we never bet her outright, so we make fun of her probably every week. But <laughs> she's she's win this match. I mean, yeah. Unless DRC just DRC goes does full have to stay out of trouble, or though, um, you know, being consistent, being aggressive. I would ask you that. Um, and I have DRC as my outright, so obviously you know who I'm rooting for. But I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not doubling down. 
I'm just going to go ahead and let that ride. I'm not necessarily that guy. You know, if this word, if this outright dies, I would not be that surprised. Um, but I do understand the love for Collins here. Um, just the idea that I, I don't, I don't want to lay money the other way. So I can't see a ton of money coming in the other way. And like I said, stylistically, um, Collins can trouble her. So it, the market moves make sense to me. Um, but even if the original number already holding the outright, I wouldn't have got involved. Uh, but that's because I had the outright. If I didn't have the outright, I probably would have like Collins at the original number. Um, now it seems to, you know, the, I think the market's corrected to, to a pretty sharp place, actually. Yeah, uh, it's a pass. Can't believe I'm on Pushko Island by myself. This is weird. <laughs> yeah. Put a down note to end the show on. Well, thanks, everybody. <laughs> uh, that's it. That's all we got. Um, we really appreciate you watching. Whatever you're watching it on, like, thumbs up, whatever weird button they have. I don't really know how any of this stuff works. Rating, reviews, all that good stuff. Follow us on Twitter at NetworthPod so you can get this stuff as fast as possible. We really appreciate it, and we will be back soon with the Australian Open. All right. Thank you for hanging out, guys, and good luck in all.